0: Or visit collateralbase.com.
1: This is Everything is Personal
2: with Len May.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and some girls, welcome to another Hopefully. episode of Everything is Personal.
2: Woo. We're Take it personal. Take it, take it personal. There you go. With John <laughs> Small.
3: Hey man, I'm just so excited, so I'm going to have to continue. We're giddy,
2: we're giddy today.
3: I, I'm just so, so excited because I'm a, I'm a super fan, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit, but we want to welcome on the show, the legend, uh, one of the greatest, not only MCs, but also a cannabis activist and a, really a mentor for me in terms of cannabis activism, and I'll explain how. Welcome, Mr. Be Real Woo! Show. Thanks for having <laughs> Thanks me. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. I wanted to give you sort of a story. I'm wearing this jacket, uh, not because it snowed in Malibu and it's, uh, it's chilly in California for us. Like uh, I, I'm from the East Coast originally, so I'm used to it. I want to talk about there were several times that uh, we've met, and I'm sure you do not remember, but I'm going to go through this story anyway to see if even a little bit of resemblance, even if it rings a bell. For a <laughs> we'll see. So I was, uh, I was working, at, I'm from Philly, so I used to work at Tower Records in Philadelphia. And in 1990, I was privileged to get a Cypress Hill cassette. And we drove to uh, MTV Spring Break in 1990 to Daytona Beach, Florida. <laughs> so uh, in our Jeeps, and we just, uh, you know, it took like 20-some hours to drive there. And I believe the two musical acts were Stone tumba Pilots, where Scott Weiland came out on stage wearing a dress and lipstick, and everybody was flipping out. And yep. the second was... Cypress Hill. And we drove and we beat this cassette up over and over and over. And I couldn't believe it. When it opened up with pigs, it was just the most amazing thing. So we got to see Cypress Hill. But this is the moment that we met. And let's see if uh, I had this weird memory that I remember these little vignettes and movies. <laughs> so this is the moment. So we're walking by a room in the hotel and we see, I think it was Send Dog. Maybe it was Be Real. Both of you were on the balcony. I can't really clearly remember we started yelling back and forth in the balcony and said something about, you know, the signals were about weed, right? And you guys were like, do you have any? And we're like, yes. And he said, come up. And it's a where? <laughs> so you guys pointed to the room like 10, 24. <laughs> and we came up and I had a, I used to have long hair. So I wore in a ponytail. I had a backwards uh, fluorescent pink hat on, like really douchey Daytona beach stuff. And then we went in with uh, I was going to roll a joint and mugs was there. He goes, no, 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 no. And he rolled a blunt. So this is my first time rolling a blunt. Mugs rolled in and we smoked it on the balcony. And then uh, Sundog was having this whole story about how the birds are free. And I remember this distinctly. Does this ring even a little bit of a bell for you?
4: It does. It it actually does. Because um, (laughs) at that spring break, we were looking for weed everywhere. Yeah. And we were really green at the time, right? So (laughs) we... (laughs) <laughs> there was this dude who was kind of tagging along in the in the group of people that we were with, aside from our own crew. And he says to us, hey, man, I work for MTV. I know the weed guys out here because we do this, you know, spring break all the time. <laughs> and we're like, all right, go get us some weed. <laughs> never came back with the money. Totally got us. Oh, man. Uh, that, yeah. that normally would never happen to us. But like, you know, in Florida, we didn't want to take nothing because we knew it was zero tolerance. Right. So, you know, we were bone dry. And I think even at the point, like, after you came through to let people know where we were at, like stoners, I think what we did was we took our banner, our backdrop, you know, that we use for yeah. shows, and we hung it outside of our hotel window down the side of our balcony. That's to- right.
3: That's <laughs> right. You want people to know man. where you were,
2: actually. <laughs> You're like yeah. spotlight right
3: here. You got yeah. weed. Normally
4: people are, like, hiding, but yeah. So we got- were like, this is where we are, <laughs> goddammit. it. If Bring it, us the weed. Want.
3: That's right. No, that was that was the most amazing experience, and then and I had a second experience, and then uh, now I'll go with the questions and all that stuff. But this is my fanboy kind of uh, moment. Being from Philly, I was friendly with a guy named Chris Schwartz, and Chris Schwartz used to run a club called Revival in Philadelphia. When I got back from Daytona, I was like a huge fan, and after the experience of hanging out with you guys, so the reason why I'm wearing a jacket is that I got this jacket. I can't believe I fit into it still from 1990, but I got this logo, Ha! <laughs> airbrush, nice. so I would wear it to Revival, and Chris was like, and I was working Tower Records, and Chris was like, I know you're a big fan, you guys are doing a show, of like a small show release for, I don't know, maybe there was 50 or 60 people, so I yeah. got to show you the jacket that night when I saw you as well. And then the third time was in Orlando, Florida, when you guys were playing with the Beastie Boys in uh, some club. And the very last one was at High Times Cannabis Cup when you were awarded that giant glass bong for like oh, yeah. High Times Stoner of the Year. Right. So, <laughs> so I was standing next to you we were smoking a blood, too. That's my experience. I'm sure you don't remember any of these, but I remember and they were big. So I just want to say one last thing about this. When I got back, from like listening and the work that you were doing and being so open because you gave a new outlet for people that really wanted to pursue legalization of cannabis because you were open about it, you would talk about it. And before, you know, we had reggae artists, obviously we had, you know, some other artists, Willie Nelson, obviously, but we didn't have, my generation didn't have anybody really to connect to that was pushing this from an activism standpoint. So you planted that seed, no pun intended, yeah, exactly. And then uh, what happened was I ended up, while I was at Tower Records, I ended up going to the Horde Festival where Ziggy was playing. And, uh, and then they had a, a group of kids that were registering people to vote uh, with the Cannabis Action Network. So my long story is I became the president of the Cannabis Action Network, and that sort of launched my whole activism career and all that stuff. And plus, I used to have these uh, dispensaries. I was a partner in Kush Kingdom. And we were down the street from one of your shops where you're doing a radio show. And then I think we all got raided <laughs> at that same time, if, if I remember correctly. All right, so that's, you're like nice. all my
2: stories. <laughs> you're like so, the Forrest Gump of B-Real's life. Like every moment every of B-Real's, B-reals of life, way. you're somewhere there.
3: <laughs> I know there's a common thread, man. There's a common thread. I really appreciate it. Do you remember any of those moments?
4: I definitely remember the Daytona thing. Yeah, yeah. that's Because we didn't smoke too much weed with anybody (laughs) there except for maybe other artists. But I do remember that because that prompted us to put our banner outside of our balcony to let people know, hey, we're up here. Crazy how it's such a small world that we live in and and industry even smaller, as big as it's become. That, you know, you sort of cross paths so many times within, you know, the lifetime of a career,
3: well, it's it's. I think it's the people that stick with it. I mean, there's a lot of people who consume cannabis, but they don't have uh, a platform and they don't try to do something about it. They're smoking, but they don't really realize that you have to use your voice to do, You know, end ridiculous prohibition and uh, don't be scared to do so. And the people that are out there and pursuing it for over the years, I think they have the opportunity uh, to connect and cross paths because you have that kind of platform. You obviously have you know pretty massive platform and there's a lot of people in the in the music industry that consume cannabis but don't talk about it in the way that you did so i commend you for you know using that platform to make a difference in people's lives as well
4: thank you you know for us it was just a part of our uh our daily life our daily ritual it right. was who we were so we felt free enough to talk about it and We didn't really care about the repercussions, because at the time we weren't on, you know, this was our first album, first records, uh, first experience. So we were just going balls out, not really thinking about whether it was going to connect or there was going to be repercussions about talking about cannabis legalization and some of the other stuff we were talking about. We took our chance, man, you know, because making music is a gamble and uh, talking about what we were trying to bring to the forefront that was an even bigger gamble because it was taboo at the time, especially for the hip hop artists to be talking about. I mean, we were getting censored and scrutinized and we were under the microscope more than, than most genres of music. So when, when you talk about now that they're fighting hip hop because of the street sensibility that NWA brought and ice T brought and people that were inspired by them, but now you have us pre, you know, not only talking about those same issues, but now, putting cannabis up as a, this is what should happen. We should legalize it. We're smoking, we're enjoying it. We're embracing it. We didn't know what would happen behind that, but we decided, you know, we're going to just be us. We're going to be who we are, say what we want and have this, I don't give a fuck attitude about it. And it worked out for us.
3: Yeah. But if I remember your story, you can talk about it, but you were in a gang, if I remember correctly. And then uh, you, were you, shot and then you you shifted out of that into hip-hop like can you tell a little bit about how that that all began for you
4: yeah when i was gangbanging i was in a state of mind where i was totally indoctrinated i didn't believe in anything else really ex- except for God and whatnot and that's right. that's kind of crazy when you're a gangster you're actually super super spiritual you don't tell anybody but you know you pray for sure right. but yeah i was i was deeply involved in it Before I got into it, though, I I was I was into music. I was, you know, hip hop was like something that I connected with because before I listened to hip hop, I used to listen to all sorts of different genres of music because I grew up with, you know, obviously my parents who they had two drastically different styles of music that they liked. And I had older brothers and sisters, you know, from my father's previous marriages. and I'd hang out with them and they all like something different. So my my exposure to music at a young age, I, I had all this different um, genres of music coming at me and I enjoyed them all really. But what connected with me the most was, was um, the rock and metal music that I was listening to whenever I'd go hang out with my cousin, George. And, you know, we were listening to AC, DC, Black Sabbath, Ozzy's solo albums, yeah. Doors, <laughs> um, I mean, you you name it, we were listening to it in, in the metal world. Rush was a big, a big deal to me, um, but not, maybe not as much as Ozzy. <laughs> I liked yeah. Ozzy a lot. Um, he was one of my big influences, I guess, not necessarily in hip hop, but just in music in general. So I come from that into, you know, later on hearing Run DMC hmm. uh, and hearing songs like King of Rock and Rock Box and, and all that stuff and how they were kind of using rock guitars and drums and shit like that and it and it got me into hip hop so you know from there i started getting into the hip hop culture with the music with the graffiti with uh the b-boyism the the popping and all that stuff all yeah. aspects of the culture you know i dived into it and it was a hobby for a long time i mean we we all loved it and after a while i i, I was still young when this was happening obviously and Somehow I got connected with these dudes that, um, through send dog that, you know, were gangsters. And I started hanging out with them and then I got recruited, then indoctrinated. And then I made my way up. I was mm. making my way up, you know, all the while mugs and send dog and send dogs, younger brother, mellow Ace were steady trying to get in the door with the music and mm. mellow Ace got in through mugs. Um, because Muggs had had signed a deal with another group called Seven Eight Three. He was he was with us first, right. then went with them, and got his got his foot in the door. And then he sort of helped get Mello's foot in the door. And had something going on, and uh, they knew I was a pretty decent writer. My rapping wasn't that great, but my writing was was decent. And they figured, hey, you know, let's go get uh, B and see if he'll write some things for Mello's album because Mello's. Mm-hmm was what got they it. were working on at the time. And I was reluctant. I didn't want to do it at first because I was gangbanging. I was like, "What? what's in it for me? I mean, what? Right? Yeah. going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get paid for writing songs. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you get paid <laughs> for writing goodness. songs. Right? Thank goodness you yeah. were wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. I didn't, get, I didn't get paid for writing Mello's songs, that's for sure. But I oh. got paid for writing our songs. You mm-hmm. know? There you go. later. <laughs> but what it did was it got me back into the mode of writing and being involved in the music where i was out there doing what gang bangers do slanging dope shootouts with rival neighborhoods and you know holding down our neighborhood and and mm. all that sort of stuff you normally hear about and the music was basically my path out of it i didn't see it at the time right again i was reluctant and, you know, these guys took a chance on me. So I said, ah, well, you know, what have, I, what have I got to lose? If this doesn't work, I can always come back here and, you know, soldier it out again, right? Right. But when I wrote the first song and I heard him kick it and I heard the the finished recording of what I had written for him with him on it, Mellow Mayonnaise. Right. I was like, oh, maybe I still have something here. You know, I think if, if they wouldn't have used the songs that I wrote, which I think it was two, if I didn't, feel like I had it, I probably would have wasted my fucking life, you know, gangbanging still. Yeah. Something about those two songs and the way he delivered it made me think, you know what, I can I can still do this. And I started showing up to the studio more often in mugs, taking that chance and thinking, you know, hey, at least you can write, And uh, we should try to get it back into the fold and get him out of there. With time and effort, they got me out and I got into the rhythm of getting in the studio.
3: What was the first song you wrote for Cypress Hill?
4: There was sets of songs that we wrote first, and then there was the songs that made the album. The okay. original songs that we had written as our demos, none of them made it. <laughs> they were just. <laughs> did you happen
3: to use they them were like later on, maybe, but, um, in
4: other albums, or no, or no? No, they're just. No, we, did, we did not. They very much sounded like the Treacherous Three, you know, oh, okay. yeah, Modie yeah. and Because cool, Mo-D. I was very influenced by some uh, Modi's styles back in the day he had this one fluent rap flow that he did on one song that we were like oh shit and so a lot of our stuff sounded originally like that like you know inspired by the treacherous three
3: right
4: um even though we had other inspirations that's that's just sort of what we were doing and um there was a shift that happened because Mm -hmm. (laughs) oddly enough Muggs comes to me and says, Hey man, we gotta do something about your voice. If not, we're just gonna have you write songs for Send Dog. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. So um, as it happened, myself and Mello were hanging out. Mellow man Send Sendog's younger brother. Right. And we were big fans of this rapper named Ramel Z, based out of the East Coast. He was on the Wild Style album, the Wild Style movie. He's also a very well-known and revered artist mm-hmm. at the time when he was rapping, he would do these two different styles. He would rap mm. in his lower voice. Like this is the brother they call the Ramel," Right. He yeah, had a low right. deep voice like that. And then he would flip all the way up, shock you with the shotgun, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And we, we always were tripping out like how he was the only one that like flipped his voice like that. Yeah. And so one day, you know, we were, we were fucking around and, and, um, i think it was real estate which was the first song that, yeah. that that um that style came along which is now the high-pitched nasal vocals as they lab- labeled it yeah that was like the first actual cypress hill song that was like oh shit, this is something different we got it so then after that we started doing all our songs a little bit different in mm-hmm. that voice and then Send dog developed his psycho beta voice which is the the hype voice that goes underneath yeah. like, and all that yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we developed those voices within that time, and we scrapped everything previously before, before those songs and you know made everything pretty much new from there. So I would say Real Estate was the first actual Cypress Hill song made, and then wow. Kill a Man and Hand on the Pump after.
3: Wow. To find that kind of voice, it was so original, when you heard it it was just, yeah you know, had a rough house come about like that wasn't I think they had what crisscross on there right uh, well
4: we were Fugie? we were um, I think we were their second signing maybe or maybe right. their first i don't I don't remember exactly the way it got on their radar was that when when Mugs was doing 783 Joe the butcher was uh, the engineer and right. I believe producer on that right. uh, 73 record or, or maybe mix engineer. I can't remember what his title was, but Muggs put together some tracks there. He did I don't think he got his his credit for him, but Joe knew that that Muggs had put together some tracks right And you know, he liked Muggs a lot. He liked mm. Muggs' style. He liked the way that Muggs approached producing and his ideas. And when he heard that Muggs had a new group, he mm. wanted to hear what that was, and we were in the middle of uh, shopping it to. I'm gonna say four or five different labels before it got onto their radar, right? And we were getting turned down all over the place because no one was, you know, no one understood where we were coming from. Uh, We were getting flat out turned down. We don't what's this weed stuff you guys are talking about, and why? Why does the voice sound like that? Why is the flow like sort of different? I don't know. (laughs) You know, we were getting a lot of
2: just doing what you're doing.
4: Yeah, yeah, and so you know. Initially, a lot of these West Coast labels out here, dumb fucks. <laughs> exactly. <get it. laughs>
2: you had something original. I know. All right.
4: Yeah, they didn't, they didn't get where they were coming from because we didn't sound like N.W.A., so they didn't right. want nothing to do with us. And fortunately, one person here by the name of Funkin Klein, rest in peace, he worked at a label called, or, well, he was our boy. He mm-hmm. worked for a lot of different hip-hop publications, but he got on with Hollywood Basic, which is Hollywood music. Right. And he wanted to sign us. The problem was, there, the guys above him kept asking for more demos. Mm. You know, we had already given them six and they loved it, but they wanted to hear more and all this other shit. And here comes Joe the Butcher, like, I want to sign you guys right now. I heard mm. your first couple demos and I see it. Right. And you know, this struggle between both labels went on for a couple months and Sendog decided for us. Cause you know, he was the older one of us. Right. He's like, Hey man, I love Funkin Klein. And I love, he's passionate about having us, but they keep mm-hmm. asking for demos over there. Joe wants us right now. I want to fuck with Joe. And if we're not fucking with Joe, I'm going back to work and fuck this. Right. So we're like, Oh, <laughs> right. True. I guess, you know, all right. Joe, it. That's it. <laughs> and, um, it was a great decision because they totally got it. You know, they yeah. definitely were on the same page on the possibilities on where we could go, where we could take this and what needed to be polished up and fine tuned. And, you know, he let mugs be mugs and just suggest certain things. And they worked on, you know, some of the mixes together, at least the right the, the sound arrangements and, and just the sound quality and, you know, it was a great pairing, man, you know, and they rode for us very hard. So it was, it was a great decision in the end to go with rough house, which it was Joe, the butcher and Chris Schwartz. Real. And, you know, i still talk to Chris. I'm actually going to be doing uh, something with him and Jerry Blair for my solo record coming up in uh, March, I believe. Oh, you oh, get a solo
3: record with, and you're going to work with Chris.
4: That is, that's so yeah. cool. I can't that's wait. Dope.
3: Do you have a, you have a title for it yet?
4: It's called Let Me Tell You Something, and it's uh, produced by Scott Storch. And, and the cool thing oh, about it... Is- Another Philly guy, by the way, Scott Storch. Yeah, to- totally full circle, because what a lot of people don't know is that when, when we were making our first three Cypress Hill albums, which was, uh, you know, self-titled Black Sunday and Temple's Boom, every yeah. time we would go to finish the mix, if when we recorded all of our songs, we would end up in Philly to finish out the masters, the mixes with Joe Butcher because, you know, Muggs wanted his input at that time and unbeknownst to us until years later we found out that Scott Storch was one of the main interns down there at Studio 4 with these guys in Philly, so he had a connection to us, he was in the studio while we were there he never played on any of our music because Muggs was all about samples at that point but he had been around and, you know, like we danced around an idea of working together for so many years. And then finally mm-hmm. it happened. And uh, I wasn't even intending to do a solo album because I had too many things on my plate at the time, which was yeah. obviously Cypress Hill, Prophets of Rage that yeah. had just come in and my uh, collaboration albums with Burner. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I don't need to do anything else. I, I was thinking, <laughs> you busy, no. yeah. busy and then Scott, man. Yeah. yeah. And then Scott came to me. Uh, and said, "Hey, why don't we do something?" I'm like, "Okay, Scott Storch asks you to, you know, let's do something. You better fucking do something." So yeah. I threw everything out the window. What I what I was thinking in terms of not doing any more solo shit. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I went to his studio and we created everything from scratch. It's a it's a very dope album in my opinion. You know, I'm very proud of the work, and and I uh, can't wait for people to hear it. But it's crazy because you know it's all it's full circle. He started so at studio Four. Yeah. our first album started studio Four. you know rough house was our label that signed us so it just it made sense for us to put something together so i'm definitely looking forward to that
3: it's so funny yeah he went he went to high school with my ex-wife i'm a little older than him but uh yeah so we we sort of crossed paths in the, in the many years ago so it just a really small world uh, scott storage i'm talking about Speaking of prophets of rage, how did prophets of rage come about? That did, uh, that uh, did somebody uh, come up to you. Was it Chuck or how did that even start?
4: Well, you know, I got a I got a call from one of my guys um, that had nothing to do with the band. It was uh, one of my guy, my, my my good friend um, Aaron from DNA DNA uh-huh. Genetics. Yeah, that's my twin brother stunt double right there. I know you guys do look like I was okay, going to say, um, they that
3: the same way it, exactly. Yeah.
4: Yeah, we get confused a lot. Um So he hits me up and he goes, dude, I hear Rage Against the Machine is going to call you. I'm like, yeah, right. Get out of here. I've heard this talk before. right?" Were you a huge yeah. fan? It's, it's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I um been friends with them for a very long time. I, I mean, I went to one of their first shows in, in Los Angeles. You know, I was trying to get our management to sign them before they got signed up. Oh, wow, yeah. My management our management company dropped the fucking ball, yeah. um, but we 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 were able to create a relationship with them. A lot of people don't know I'm in their first video, like for a, an eye blink. <laughs> I had long hair <laughs> then, so people would have to pay attention. But yeah, I mean we were good friends with them for a long time, and and you know we had played shows with them, festivals, and and yeah. some charity events and stuff like that. You know, so we have this relationship and this mutual respect for one another. And you know, they'll tell it Rage Against the Machine was inspired by Public Enemy, Cypress Hill, and a few others. So sure. When Zach left the first time, there were talks of us doing stuff, but you know, that didn't pan out. They eventually did audio, audio slave. After Audio Slave happened, they were just, you know, doing their own things. And then yeah. <laughs> when this this fuckery happened with, with the two 2016 elections. You know, they decided they wanted to do something, but yeah. I mean, I guess maybe Zach was not in for doing Rage Against the Machine at the time, so they yeah. called Chuck D, and asked him if he wanted to do something. If they wanted to like do a call to action and and you know get involved with what was going on, and and they called me after they called Chuck, and uh, I already knew they were going to call because my boy had spilled yeah. the beans. I didn't <laughs> believe him, you know. But, yeah, right. I heard this right. talk. I get a text from Brad first. Hey, has Tom called you? And I said, No, is he supposed to? (laughs) Tom Morello, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was acting dumb because, like, (laughs) right, you had to play it off. Uh, I don't know anything. (laughs) Uh, No, is he supposed to? But that gave me the indication that it was real. And then Tom called me. I think before he even said anything, I said, Yes, (laughs) I'm (laughs) in. Um, but you know, I let him do the spiel, you know, and and yeah. he he explained to me what was going to happen. And I think at first the intention was just to play a show. Yeah. And the first couple of weeks were rough, learning the songs and and trying to get it together because they hadn't right. played together in a while. And you know, although you know someone else's song, it's different performing it and and sure. being in pocket. And uh, it took a few weeks before we all felt comfortable doing it. But once we did the first two shows, we we're like, "Oh shit, we got something! This feels yeah. really good. Yeah. We got this chemistry, and you know, delivering Cypress Public Enemy songs mixed with with Rage Against the Machine songs—it just like made so best. much sense. Yeah. And, and the explosion Man. that would happen when we played this um, this set—it was just amazing. So we decided, let's be a band. Let's actually go and record and and make new shit. And so that was the intention. And we, we were able to make the, the, the EP, then the album. And we were going to drop a second album. And uh, that got fucked up. But, you know, it is what it is.
3: That show at the Whiskey, I mean, you're talking about an explosion. That's the best analogy. That was such an explosion of energy. I mean, I've been to so many shows at the Whiskey. But this show, uh, "Providence and Rage of the Whiskey, was a pure explosion. When you guys came out... That energy, I could still feel it to this day. I've never had heard the whiskey this loud, and oh man, it was just such an incredible
4: experience. For fans that are fans of all three bands, it, it was like um, it was like an all-star team. Yeah, we felt like we couldn't lose. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, for sure. You know, for the for the most part, I would say ninety-nine percent of the shows we rocked them all, like without doubt. Like if you were coming on after, you better come come correct. Shit,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean I saw you guys at the it. forum yeah, and you so. took you, you guys killed it at the forum. Yeah, I that saw that the
4: show at the forum to too. Be- I think that's where I got my shirt. Yeah. I my shirt. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it it was take no prisoners for us. We're all very competitive in our other bands, you know, like yeah. with Cypress Hill when we play, we want to take everybody's fucking head off no matter who yeah. it is. Friend, foe, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's the same way with Public Enemy, it's the same way with Rage Against the Machine when they were up there. And so now you have a combination of these three bands that were all about head chopping. Now we're chopping fucking heads together. It was awesome. So it, it was a great experience. I mean, the only the only show that that didn't go over well for us was opening for Eminem, and uh, where fucking was it, man? I'm not sure if it was France or somewhere. I can't remember. But it was it was him going back to Europe for the first time. In a right. long time he hadn't toured in a long time, and he had already sold out the show. We were added after the fact, so none of our fans got there and were able to buy tickets. It was all 100% European Eminem fans, <laughs> and the difference between the shows that we had done previously up to that one show. Was yeah. that there wasn't one person in the crowd not moving, not fucking moshing, not stage oh, wow. diving, not doing something? But yeah. at that wow. show, they were yeah. just like this.
2: <laughs> they
4: had no <laughs> just idea. Just waving their waving arms. Like there. what is this? <laughs> Hurry up and get the fuck off! So they were, were
3: confused.
4: That's that's what it. Was. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's like little, yo, this hilarious. is too much. We don't and so that and was that is. was the one show, but like the rest it was it was an amazing experience. It's too bad it got fucked up, to be honest. But um, yeah, it was what it is was. It, is it, it was done? Is
3: ahead. it is that it? Is it done?
4: I would say yes that it's it's. All right. It's, so
3: uh, now I gotta I gotta make sure I put my shirt away. I don't wear it oh, anymore, yeah. and I keep
4: it. Yeah, frame it.
3: Yeah, frame, frame that's it. That's it, right? <laughs> I just gotta get Chuck an autograph I, from all look, the guys.
4: Chuck Lord and I plan to do something in the future. Oh, uh, that's um, cool three together and, and knocking some some things down because we realize the power and our combination. You guys so, flow
3: so well together too. It's
4: incredible. Yeah. So I think between Chuck Lord and I, we could make a, a nice run with some impactful music. Sure. Don't, you know, I'm not sure of, of the direction we're, we would go in, but, you know, we don't want to replicate what we did with the other guys. Right. Because... You know, that's just for us reaching. We want to do something more inventive and sort of get away from that. Because if we're not going to be doing songs with them in that vein, then I'd rather do something completely different to not disrespect what we've done with the other three guys.
3: I saw you last at the whiskey uh, when KRS-One played and then we gave out the tennis balls and he brought you up and like signaled you out and all that stuff. It was cool. I'm just wondering, it seemed like, he may be an influence, but uh, and you mentioned Kumo What are some of your other influences that you had in hip hop?
4: Well, KRS One was my number one influence. Oh you know, wow. my, my teacher from a distance. Him oh, and yeah. Chuck were both my teachers from a distance. I got to know Chuck more than Chris, but I, I know Chris and have a a good friendship with him. I don't see him as much or talk to him as much as right. I do Chuck. Chuck is like my older brother. You know, like yeah, right? Right. that's my mentor, mentor. But in terms of this rap shit, how to write songs, how to perform, you know, how to be yourself 100% unapologetically. I've learned that from, from KRS-One. And he's yeah. always been at the top of my list of MCs, no matter who's done what. It was a great feeling to get acknowledged by someone that I thought and still think is is one of the greatest Top Agreed. three MCs of all time, if not number 100%, 100%. one. 100%. You know, so, so 100 <laughs> still, still number,
2: number one. one he's uh, yeah. still number one.
4: It resonates because, yeah. you know, he chose not to have a career. He could have. Yeah. You know, he had that type of ability, that, that type of mentality that he could have adapted and did whatever the fuck he wants, but he chose to be um sure. what he is, you know, and that's someone who educates people. It's someone who still puts out relevant shit. Yeah. quality shit when he decides to put it out and he's still active and and i love the dude to death man yeah. there is no me without experiencing him yeah mm-hmm. you know? for sure so so i owe him a lot even though you know he might not think that i do owe him a lot because i learned a lot from watching him and listening to him and you know sometimes being around him the way he you know his persona the way he treated people the way he was always 100 percent who he's he's supposed to be yeah. love that guy Him and it, it was up. a beautiful
3: exchange with you guys at the whiskey like i i stood there and i was like wow like it seemed to me that he was calling you out as you know somebody like here's a star that's here to see me but there was so much humility and you was it seemed that you were so grateful that he pointed you out there it just i i could sense the moment
4: I would never bow down to any other MCs. I I look at us as all equals. I don't give a shit who it is if you put me in or on a song with whoever, I am going to get up to their level if not exceed it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I love challenges in that I work. Right. He is the only MC that I would bow down to. No one else. I mean, Eminem I love him. He's my number 2, you know, but right. I would even like myself up to a challenge with with him but i love him man i mean he's one of my favorites krs1 and eminem are are my two favorites and jay-z you know a lot of people shit on me for for saying those three (laughs) not me (laughs) but but that's my opinion those are my favorite my top three favorites and then you know you rock him and and right big daddy and and the rest come after you know what i mean but if I was going to, like, wax battle somebody, I don't know if I would battle <laughs> KRS One, man. That's
2: that's scary. That's
4: yeah, yeah, that's like the godfather. Like, <laughs> yeah, so when guys like him acknowledge me, you know, it yeah. just it's a great feeling because yeah. I grew up to him, and, and he was one of the guys that I looked at as this is the way you do it, you know. So I owe a lot to just his, his teachings cool. from a distance, you know, indirect teaching.
2: What's your and KRS One S- sure. rap that's, like, one of your favorites of all time? boogie down oh. what are some of your favorites like my philosophy uh, or...
4: nine millimeter goes bang love is gonna get you the blueprint i mean Uh-oh. fuck he's got so many criminal yeah. minded the criminal minded yeah for sure stupid <laughs> crazy <laughs> like, yeah i ain't heard one wax song ever from krs it's true
3: yeah even his new stuff is really good i urge people yeah, to go out track and, track and listen
4: it. flawless track record
3: yep yeah John and I are putting the, our top 10 best female MCs list together. We're going to do that after we let you go. I uh, just wanted to see if uh, you had a favorite female MC. Um,
4: I'm putting Lauren you on the spot. Hill was always, yeah. Lauren Hill was always yeah. one of my favorites because her whole shit was different than most. And the fact that she could sing her own exactly. choruses, I thought that was like, man, she is a killer. There's a lot of dope ones. Little Kim yeah foxy brown were dope to me remy ma raw digga oh, salt pepper Diga. were dope queen latifah light sure. is dope yeah. as fuck sure and moni love yeah. uh, moni love was, you know, people don't give her enough props her flows were just moni in the middle yeah um, where's she at yeah <laughs> um, and, uh, who am i forget? you know but there's also like Nicki minaj and she and can fit you know she does a lot of uh, a lot of you know pop type of songs but Man, that that girl can spit, you know. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Agreed. And, uh, Snow the product. If yep. people ain't up on game on Snow the product, she is one bad chick. Yeah. Like her, You know, she can outwrap a lot of dudes, no problem so sure. um yeah i mean i that's got good. more than one favorite no, that's, those are yeah great. no i basically us too. took my
2: whole list right there. that's that's pretty much my list too <laughs> all
4: right so maybe you. roxanne
3: Shantae. Like <laughs> I, I, I have special mention to roxanne yeah, yeah. And Yo-Yo. And Chantay, definitely yeah. she's like
4: you know the she's, mother of, she's
2: the mother of it all
4: yeah
2: is. all right so
3: l- let's get into the three questions uh it's uh really really difficult questions so you're gonna have to <laughs> yeah right get a piece of paper scratch get paper ready. And- <laughs> all right so please describe your first experience with cannabis if you remember
4: oh uh, wow my <laughs> first experience with cannabis i was living in monterey park going to a school called macy and uh, i hung out with a group of kids that you know we all listened to the rock music you know rock rock music and oldies yeah. because a lot of us were latinos so we sort of listened to both And we'd hang out with this older kid he was maybe three years four years older than us (laughs) and we go hang out with him at his crib and he would get us all high off a a little green acrylic bong that was maybe about that big (laughs) and had all the tubes in it but that was the first time you know i didn't know what we were doing yeah but Come to find years later, we're taking hits from the bong. You
3: know? and, how, uh, how did you feel though when you took you your like first it? like hit from the bong? Like, did it make you feel good? Did you like it? Were, oh,
4: I was good. I was yeah, good. I just couldn't understand why I was so hungry by the time I got home <laughs> and my mother couldn't understand why was so hungry all the time. Because <laughs> yeah. we, like right after school, right after like, you know, either football or baseball practice or whatever we were sports we were into yeah. we'd go to Eloy's house and we'd fucking smoke out and he only lived like maybe a block and a half away from me so I'd go straight home from his crib and every time you know we were at his crib I'd come back hungry and mother was like hey why are you so hungry all the time <laughs> That's I'm hungry crazy. from school all the time what's going on I don't know so I'm
3: working out I'm, I'm doing sports so I'm burning up a lot of calories
2: right
4: yeah that's funny she man she knows next
2: time my my home. son tells me he's hungry i'm gonna be a little suspicious
3: exactly hits in the bomb man
4: <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs>
3: my daughter too yeah I'll, I'll tell i'll tell my experience one time with my daughter on the show i'm still not comfortable sharing it yet i have to talk to her mom first before i share that but it was a, it was interesting you answered i think you i kind fine. of answered the second one already but i'll i'll ask it anyway is there a song or an album or something that's your go-to when what you like to listen to when you medicate or consume or like a genre of music just wondering if there's like a go-to album that you like
4: not so much these days but back in the day i'd find myself listening to a lot of led zeppelin or bob marley it was one of the two i didn't really so much listen to hip-hop when i was high like that like i wasn't so into it right then, I didn't even didn't even really know about it when I was first getting high, you know, right it came much later, but at the times when I was young at that time, getting high for the first time, yeah, we were listening to a lot of Led Zeppelin and if I was by myself, maybe some Bob Marley, but a lot of rock shit, but for that's me, it was a lot of Led zeppelin
3: right? yeah that's my that's mine too, absolutely a hundred percent it's exactly album, like we had an
4: episode album four
3: i like <laughs> album two man album two is the one for me i'm with four led led, up and two
4: well, it's crazy that's led zeppelin was the big reason why we named our album cypress hill four it was it's just supposed to be four but they called it cypress hill four. Oh,
3: right. because of Led up and four that yeah we
4: oh. black sunday that right. was owed to black sabbath a lot of people thought it was for the raiders which we for right, Raiders fans right. and whatnot, but it was more along the lines of because we're Black Sabbath fans. Oh man! So you know we called the album Black Sunday, and we made it really obscure and dark in terms of the cover. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it. Uh, it, yeah, so those were our little rock influences shining through our hip hop. You know,
3: what has cannabis meant in your life?
4: Cannabis is is I mean it's meant a a whole lot. One for me it's not necessarily a creative thing. It's a, a, a more of a, a relaxed state. It's the equivalent of someone taking a shot before they do something. that's maybe nerve wracking or whatever. Right. Right. You know, it puts them in a mm-hmm. relaxed mood, loosen them up, whatever. So cannabis has always been that for me just to loosen me up and not be so, uh, you know, so yeah. aggro and, yeah. and you know, on, one, on, on a thousand. Cause I mean, with, with, when I don't smoke, I, I get very Pumped up and, you know, a a little bit (laughs) overhyped than I need to be, at least in my younger days. These days I'm much more relaxed even without it. But for me, it just puts me in a a relaxed and concentrated state. Like, so if I'm gonna write a song, it'll keep me focused on that. If I'm in the gym, it'll keep me focused on the work there. No matter what I'm doing, it'll give me hyper-focus on it, depending on the state of mood I'm in. If I don't really want to do it, If I smoke, I'm going to really not want to do it. (laughs) Exactly. On the other aspect, in terms of the industry, it's been a a great opportunity for me to come out of music and go into the cannabis industry and create a brand, create products behind that brand and to see the people uh, react when they have said products from our stores, from our Dr. Green Thumb stores. Right. You know, it's like putting out music. You know, mm. when you put out a different strain, different flavor, it's like putting out another album. It's either going to hit, or it's going to do okay, or it's going to do shitty, right? Yeah. And and for us, you know, it's uh, just another opportunity to serve people in a different way with with what people consider medicine.
2: Yeah. Mm. You
4: know, some some people don't use it that way, but other people do, mm. and other people use it spiritually. Yeah. They feel it gets them closer to God. They're so fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's it's been all those things for me and, it, yeah. and it's been a way to keep connected with our fan base and with mm-hmm. the cannabis base and all that stuff. The music and cannabis has always went together for me. So like music and, and cannabis have been very good to me, man. So yeah. I stay up on as much game as possible in music and obviously in the cannabis industry because new things are happening, new genetics, new strains, new tech. You know, it's just provided many different opportunities You know, to be a part of the cannabis industry and to be one of the brands that people consider one of the best, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and
3: you're an excellent advocate for that, too, because you've been in it for so long and, and I'm not promoting what my company does in this. But what I'd like to see in the future is a lot more of a personalized experience with cannabis. So you were talking about, you know, how you consume certain things and it gives you a different mood and that's the whole thing. But when you have a personalized experience and, you know, your genetics do guide the experience, the, the DNA of the plant goes along with the DNA of the individual, and then your are set in setting your mindset. So as you were just saying, like, if I really don't want to do something and you consume, especially if consuming something that's a little leaning towards an Indica profile, it's going to make you sit on that couch and not do anything. but, it, okay, but And that, that alignment is so important because I think people just paint everything with a broad brush, right? It's cannabis, and it is it is a therapeutic wellness product. Whether you call it medicine or not, it's going to change your neurochemistry. There's something that's going to happen to you, so you're going to have that experience. And that that personalization is really, really important. Yeah, uh,
4: I mean, you know, for us, we're just trying to give people an experience when they walk into our stores. We want them to feel a good vibe there and yeah. to have great selections. And then when they leave and they, they try whatever they picked up, that it meets their expectations, that they have right. a great experience, whether it was casual use or medicinal purposes right. or whatever, if they were trying for the first time just because um, it's available to them now. Yeah. You know, we're, we're trying to provide just a different experience. Again, much like music, you know, when, when we're making albums and, and uh, we're releasing them, what you hear is meant to be an experience. Yep. You know, you may not like every song, but we're going to take you on a journey. And at Absolutely. the end of that journey, you're either going to love it or you're going to fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you <laughs> love it. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But that's the goal. Take, taking people on a journey yeah. and dropping gems on them, teaching them something, provoking thought, emotion, whatever it is, you know, that's all music and cannabis do that. It's, it's healing. It's yeah. healing for people. And we've been doing this for such a long time, man. It just, it feels natural and it feels right. And we love what we're doing. And and uh, we're gonna continue to do it as long as people want us to. When the yeah. people want us to stop, you know, most likely we will, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think they will because I feel like as long as we love to do what we do in music and we love doing what we're doing in cannabis, it's the passion that drives us. And if you still have passion for it, and it's not about just the money, people feel that and they feel connected to you that way. If they feel that it's just about the money and you're not, you don't give a shit really about anything, but that they notice that too. And they'll go to another brand that they feel cares about their consumers, cares about the experience and cares about the industry and and being passionate about what you're doing. So many we've seen come into the, the cannabis industry, you know, with big names, and, yep. you know, taking big L's with those big names because <laughs> yep. they didn't have the connection. People felt like that it was just about money and it's not yeah. really it love of the cannabis they're coming for. Yeah, yeah, Madness. the industry's fickle like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: I have one last bonus question for you. Please describe your room growing up. What your room look like?
4: <laughs> oh,
3: man. He <laughs> was um, like, I, I don't even remember.
4: Room, it, cool. Um, you know, I didn't have any posters up really i had like a real plain ass room you know <laughs> I, I think what i had in my room was probably my bed and a fucking radio and a couple little things but like yeah no nah, you know no no posters in and didn't really ever keep in my sport. room no posters my father was not about that shit was, <laughs> what the hell are those Get those on. what are right. you doing to my wall
0: <laughs> <Right>.
4: <laughs> i never did that i never did that everything was here Right yeah. in here, it, you know, yeah. like Run DMC and Run DMC for the first time. I didn't need their on my while I had it in my head. It. So, my room when I was kid was really plain. I think the only exciting shit in my room was my radio because I would listen to the radio before I went to sleep and I would fall asleep to the oldie station and whatnot. And I think that's, that's probably why you know I was so invested in music because I was so close to it being so young and, and listening to everything, but I never thought I'd be a musician. I never thought I'd be in, in the industry. You know, I just had a love for it. Um, but God works in mysterious ways as they say. (laughs) That's
3: right. No, it's, and it's your passion. You are putting it out in the universe and somehow if you keep doing it, I think it just comes to you. And I think people give up too soon on things that they're supposed to be doing. And that's why they're, they're lost. And just go a little bit deeper if you really have a passion for it. B, B, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Where, what do you want them to connect to new album? You have your own podcast, you have your stores, like where can people find more about all that stuff?
4: Well, you know, they could find me on Instagram, be real, simply, you know, blue check. That's where I'm at. But <laughs> on the podcast, we do that Monday through Friday, two PM Pacific Standard Time is the start time on our YouTube page, Be Real TV. We stream it out on all of our other platforms, but that's the main one. But realistically, if you if you wanted to see, you know, what I'm doing or, or get an indication, follow me on the Instagram and I will lead you everywhere from there. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a new
3: album coming out too, right?
4: Yeah. New album coming out in March called Let Me Tell You Something, produced by Scott Storch. I got yep. some really cool cameos on there. Uh, Rick Ross, Freeway, oh. another Philly guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Crazy Bone. I got a few. I don't want to give too many yeah. away. All right. but,
3: That's enough of the cool. teaser.
4: Yeah. Keep it busy. And we got some new dispensaries coming online. Um, San Diego, so little Dr. Green Thumb. San Diego will be nice. opened up this year. We're looking at Tulsa, Oklahoma and uh a few other places so um it, it's gonna be a busy 2021
3: that's good well, super super grateful for you joining us uh, it's been an honor thanks man really really appreciate it brother
2: thanks, thanks B. Up. peace right, guys take care. Care. Peace. peace man all right peace man
1: hello dr green thumb paging dr green thumb Tell you just where I'm from in the hills where the
4: trees go wild
3: with we build the fucking pigs with shields holding the blue steel. Greenhouse effect with the weak connect. DEA can't keep the green stuff in check. HPS got blessed. Wow. Yeah. That was amazing, I are get man. You're good. I never get star was I? Uh oh, thank you. you man. Were great. I never get starstruck, but I mean like like be real meant so much. Like Cypress meant so much in my life. I, I can't believe you remembered that Daytona. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that was 1990
2: man how many see? years ago like 30 wow. you had weed for him and they needed weed you were like the they're like <laughs> remember the guy. that guy I've, I've been the guy like that for so many times in my life that i can remember that was awesome F- one thing A I, friend with weed is a friend, a friend indeed. <laughs> I mean, one thing about Be Real, and it's corny, but, you know, I mean, his name, Be Real, like he is so real to who he is and he always has been just like who he is. And that is really the secret to his success is that There's he no stayed. Potential. He never sold out. He just sort of stayed true to who he no. was, what he loved in his life. And everything he does is kind of just kind of like what he likes to do um, and who he is as a person. So I think that's such yeah. a good lesson for really any entrepreneur, any artist.
3: Let's skip everything and go into our best female list and have you heard and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll- Yeah, I mean, he
2: kind of hit every, it was like, B, stop, because he basically hit every- He gave the whole list. He basically but, uh, gave the whole list. Well, why don't we do it like you go for, you go do give me one and then I'll give you one. All right, so are we going to put them in order? That's what's hard, like, because I don't know how to do the number one. I don't know if I have enough Well, one. I'll tell I mean, you my
3: criteria for number one. Uh, flow, just mm-hmm. making sure, you know, somebody is, a, is good, has an impact on music and also album sales. So yep. that's kind of what I looked at. Maybe that's not the right criteria. I have no idea. So I'll go first. I'll do mine in order, but there's no, like who who are we to give out? Like an right. order of uh, who's no, the greatest. I can't do it. Out. It's too who's hard. I'll just do one. We'll go back to back. I have a tie for number 10, but after this, I'll be one and don't okay. worry about the order. But I have uh, MC Light and Remy Ma okay. uh, as my sort of number 10.
2: So you go ahead. I think I will take number nine. Will be Moni Love. Yeah, I have uh, Moni Love was
3: like eleven honorable mention for me, but you know, B did sell it really well, and I, I went back and I listened to. A She's lot a native of these- tongue. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. native tongue. Absolutely. No, a a hundred percent. Her flow is great. But just, she just like, hasn't had
2: that many records. I mean, there was Moni in the middle, right? She had like a few but, records. Yeah. Well,
3: that's that's the criteria. It's there is not there was not enough content. Her flow and everything was incredible, but there was not enough content. She right. participated in other, other people's stuff, uh like native tongue stuff. All right. So this may be controversial. I don't know. I have
2: Cardi B next. I see Cardi B, I think Bodak Yellow is oh. one of the great raps. You know, of the last five, ten years. So I just love her rap. I love that yeah. rap. So even though she, I don't necessarily like her public persona that much, I right. think she's a she's got incredible flow. So I will be with you. One person that I feel should be on this list is Shah Rock, who is the I think is probably the first female MC. She was in the Funky Four Plus One. Yeah, it's the joint. It's the joint. The you know, joint. The, yeah, yeah. It's the she's joint. the first female rapper, and I feel like we should give her a shout out because, and she kind of really, I mean, her style is is kind of amazing. So I, I'm going to put Shaw rock on my list. Well,
3: yeah, I think you're right. And then, you know, adding like Roxanne Chante to that list makes yeah. sense too. And these are my honorable mention, but I, I didn't have her with the criteria that I set up. I didn't right. have her in there. So my next one is Foxy Brown.
2: Very good choice. Very good choice. I feel like when you mention Foxy Brown, you got to mention like Eve, right? Like, cause that's the sort of same era. Eve, yeah. I put Eve up on that list and he had mentioned um brat. Well, I don't know if he mentioned Debrat, but we've talked about Debrat. Yeah, we talked about Debrat.
3: Uh, absolutely great flow.
2: And a little him being, you know, part of Biggie's whole um, junior mafia is just like incredible, right? Well,
3: she, yeah, she's on my list. But uh, the next one I yeah. have, uh, since you've mentioned Eve, I'm going to mention Queen Latifah.
2: Oh, yeah. She's the queen. Unity, UNITY is one of my yeah. favorite rappers. Ladies first. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And she's just like a multi talented actress. MC, she's, she's one well, of the all that,
3: all that having said, but like I sat down last night and I listened to her, like, uh, her raps and her recordings, and she is a badass. Her flow is right on, so oh,
2: yeah, really, really good. One person he didn't mention, and maybe just because he didn't think of it, was Lady of Rage, who, uh, yeah, is off uh, of yeah. Death Throw, and she was like sort of like the original gangsta, like the female gangsta rapper. There really weren't yeah. that many. And she's incredible if you ever listen to Afro Puffs. That's the, I love Afro Puffs. I hadn't heard Afro Puffs until I moved to LA. It was like on some radio station one day. I was, and I was like, what the F is this? Like, well, that, this is that's,
3: the, that's the same thing with Lady... So the same thing. I have her on my honorable mention list. And the reason why, there's not enough content. Yeah, She was on so many... She was on Dre's album. She was on so many different right. albums and with Snoop. But there's not enough her own solo content. Yeah, there.
2: I don't know if there's a lot there, but that afro puffs to me warrants her being on the list incredible Period. yeah
3: rage
1: in effect so you know how it is i rock walk and stuff with my afro puffs rock on with you baby i rock walk and stuff with my afro puffs rock on with you baby i rock walk and stuff with my afro puffs rock on with you baby
3: i rock rough and stuff with my afro puffs so you took it was a yours lady of rage, right yeah so you're next. oh uh, lady of rage uh, I have salt and pepper. Nice.
2: <laughs> it's sort of hard to do a female MC list without saying salt and pepper. Since how so can you cute. not? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't know if they stand the test of time as well as some of these other female MCs, but I, they are like in the canon of hip hop. They're very important. Sort of the first female super group, right? Yeah. Like TLC, and they still as well. perform.
3: I went to see them. Uh, I don't know a few years ago with A's Tribute, and they were great, man. They put in a great show. They sounded fantastic. There is a tremendous contribution they made to uh, hip hop.
2: I actually really feel like Nicki Minaj is one of the best female MCs I've ever heard. I mean, I mean, yeah, he's right. She's put out a lot of corny kind of top forty records, but if you listen to like things like Truffle Butter or some of the stuff that she's done on Jay Z with Jay Z, like she's incredible. Her it's flow not is-
3: Nicki Minaj's fault that she's
2: pop. yeah that she's pop. It's not right. her
3: fault. Her flow is. I think one of the the
2: best best I've ever heard. And she's also like, she does these characters. Like, it, like she puts on these voices, and I mean, she's just she's com-
3: compare her to anybody Completely else. I would say thing. her flow is probably the best out of any other
0: female.
2: Yeah, player. I think so.
0: In this very moment, I'm king. In this very moment, I slay Goliath with the sling. This very moment, I bring, put it on everything that I will retire with the ring and I will retire with the crown. Yes, no, I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. Yes, clap for the heavyweight champ, me. But I couldn't do it all alone. We, young money raised me. Grew up out in Paisley. Southside Jamaica. Queens and I think somebody like Cardi B, like, just
2: kind of like, everybody owes a debt to Nicki Minaj, right? For, Especially, 100%. like, uh, this new one, Dojo Cat. She sounds exactly Doja like, yeah. like Nicki Minaj. Like, she just imitates yeah. her, you know? Yeah,
3: and and then uh, there's the, the, Megan, the Megan Thee Stallion. Megan The Stallion, the same thing. Yeah. To me, they're just the, Nicki Minaj
2: ripoffs, but I don't know.
3: All of them. Cardi B, all of them. But, uh, yeah. you know, she influenced them. So it definitely, you can hear it. Right. So Nicki Minaj, I completely agree with you. There's two more on my list that we didn't hit besides the honorable mention ones. Uh, so I'll I'll take Missy
2: Elliott. Yep, love Missy Elliott. All the stuff that she did with Timbaland. I can tell you as a I mean, DJ when you put on Missy Elliott, like people go crazy. Her flow. Her flow is incredible. The Beads. Yeah, I love her. I would definitely put her in the top five for sure. Yep.
1: If you a fly gal, get your nails done. Get a pedicure, get your hair did. Boy, lift it up, let's make a toast Let's get drunk, this gonna bring us closer. Don't I look like a holly berry post See the Belvedere playing tricks on ya. Girlfriend wanna be like me? Never. You won't find a trick that's even better.
2: And then I think we're probably gonna agree on number one, and and he kind of stole our thunder here, but... Lauren Hill. I mean, she's the goddess.
3: Like Nina Simone defecating on your microphone. I,
2: (laughs) I, When I heard that, I was
3: like, what the fuck did she just say? Hold on. Let me rewind that. Did she just say that? Right. Incredible. Now, I have an issue with Lauren Hill and her live performances. I saw her live. Did you see her live? If you're listening, I've seen her live. Did you see the Dave
2: Chappelle show at the bowl? I've seen her live four times. Okay.
3: Okay. Maybe five. If Lauren, if you're listening, just. (laughs) Do not make us wait two, three hours for you to come on. Yes. Please play the songs in the arrangement that's similar to the arrangement that you recorded because that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. And uh, please do not get into arguments with the band band or the engineer while you're
2: on stage. It's very disappointing to see her live. Love,
3: love, love, love her. But that is just wow. I walked out last time she played with Nas. Nas Mm -hmm. opened for her and she started in the middle of a song she started fighting with the band and with the engineer and i was like
2: this is yeah there's something a little there's something a little off with go. lauren but um man, if, i mean man. all you have to listen to the miseducation of lauren hill it's like one of the great albums that's ever been made and ever ever and it's it's cool. My son just kind of discovered that record, and he just listens to it over and over again. He takes bike rides, and it's just like you can't believe how good it is. Well, and it just stands. I have
3: up. a friend who is a CEO of a, a big company, and he we were just randomly talking, and he looking at him, He's like, uh, and he loves Lauryn Hill. He flew from the East Coast to so the Southeast to L.A. with his daughter to yeah. see Lauryn Hill. I got him tickets, and we waited in a small club. For almost three hours for her to come on, I was like, so they were not disappointed. They're like, oh my gosh, she was incredible. But I was like, man, like come on.
2: Shout out please. to Columbia High School where my father went to high school. <laughs> her is her high school. Her, my dad and her went to the same high school, so I do like that part. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Since you were looking for your friend The one you let hit it And never called you again Remember when he told you He was about the uh-huh, Benjamins yeah. You act like you ain't him They give him a little trim uh-huh. to begin Now you think you really gonna pretend uh-huh. Like you wasn't down And called him again Plus when You give it up so easy you ain't So I got I
3: got a couple honorable mentions uh, uh As well that I left out You already mentioned TLC So Lisa Left Eye yep. Lopez Rest in uh, peace Great MC We mentioned Megan Thee Stallion, Stallion uh, Obviously Roxanne Shantae. And uh, the only one that I think uh, we, we had the brat, we had Moni, we had Lady Rage. The only one that was Yo Yo was the only one that we oh, yeah. didn't mention. And uh, she did that stuff with the Ice Cube, if you uh,
2: remember. So oh, yeah, of course, Yo Yo. Definitely not enough. Um, not you enough
3: can't
4: play
2: with there. my Yo Yo. No, exactly.
3: So, There's so one uh, MC, have...
2: Cray Sean. Do you remember her that did Gucci, Gucci, Gucci? Oh,
3: yeah. yeah I yeah. love
2: her. She, I mean, it's a one hit wonder, but I do love her. I do love that rap. <laughs> To and i'm gonna and i'm gonna give a little shout out to deborah harry just for bringing <laughs> rap to the mainstream she's the first right, person yeah. actually that ever rapped on a on a record i mean rapture is the first rap actually that ever was a pop song so anyway even though it's not the greatest rap in the world no, um, but you're right you got to give a shout out to deborah harry you got it, you got it <laughs> for sure oh,
3: had this there's intention behind this one so let me ready for it
2: yep i'm ready
1: that they love you, then they ask where you coming from. Like you the only one feeling how you feeling. Then you lie just to make it sound appealing to him and her and even the family that you keep close just to blow the steam. Like Stanley, you don't wanna have to plunge in the back, praying people in the front don't figure where you at. I get that. You should pray for the feeling, I don't miss that. I was stuck for a while, I'll admit it. The same damn thing as you feeling, man, I get it, but. I'm past that now. I sent this crown, now I mix no Sprite. Only sit brown when I'm cool with my niggas. a so bitch, go figure, Zach that kind of night, a'ight? I love you. Things that cross my mind while I'm by myself.
2: What's that sample? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going to
3: ask you. I was going to ask you. so familiar. It's making me crazy. I knew immediately. So my daughter gave this to me. She's like, you have to listen to it because you can love the sample. You love the jazzy. And I'm like, so all the latest hip hop has this completely different delivery. It doesn't have the smooth, jazzy feel. And she knows I love that. So when she played this for me, I'm like, oh, uh, so this is a a song called Foreplay by Jalen Santoy." Yeah, uh, and I wanted to ask you if you knew what the sample was because I knew it. It's like first note. You know what it is?
2: No. What is it?
3: Sunny. The song called Sunny. Sunny. So Sunny is a Stevie Wonder song, and it's also a song that's remade by a hundred different people, including Jimariqui.
2: That was dope. That was really dope. Maybe we should just leave it at that. I'm looking for my my. <laughs> I'm looking at for mine, but I feel like mine. I can't find the right. I have a really good one that I want to play for you right. from Jedi Mind Tricks, but I got to ask my dude. son exactly what the the track is. But I really like that track you just shared with me, and uh, I just want to give it up to Be Real for uh, taking the time, right? Dude, he was just I mean, generous I, with his time I, and generous with his stories. Generous, good guy. Such
3: amazing stories. Amazing guy. Uh,
2: thank you. Thank B. And
3: I mean, I'm, I'm just blown away. I'm Big like, up I, to
2: his I, uh, publicist, Marilyn Simpson, for hooking it up. Yep. Uh, I feel like I I was fanboying a little bit. No, no. I think he liked it. You know, uh, I could tell. If you were really bad, I would have cut you off. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I am wearing my, we didn't go t-shirts. We didn't go crazy. I didn't wear my Cypress Hill shirt. When we have our next uh, special guest, I might go a little crazy with the fanboying.
3: Is there a shirt? I guess you I'm. I think I have but to have order one, one. because yeah. I just
2: I don't know. I just, I'm gonna freak out. Everything is personal. Take it personal. Take it, take it personal. Peace,
1: peace.
4: Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network network